Welcome to In Context and Culture, a podcast hosted by pastors Corey Majors and Trent Roseman, intended to clarify and comment on critical issues pertaining to theology, the Bible, and life in the church. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our podcast, In Context and Culture, Episode 3. Um, we're excited this morning to talk about um, what it looks like to grow um, as a believer in Christ, especially in the current situation we find ourselves in with the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Uh, how does one grow in their relationship with God without being able to gather regularly? So last week, we, of course, talked about... Um, uh, the gift of the gathering, and w- what a unique uh, topic to, to bring up right before you can't gather. So um, to th- this morning, uh, we're going to just be talking about what it means to grow uh, and make the best use of the time. So of course, Corey's here with me. Um, and before we get started, let's just, uh, Corey, let's just have some fun having a conversation together. I think fun right. and enjoyment of conversation, even though people can't be together, is good. So I looked up a couple dumb questions online. I hope these aren't super lame, but um, got a couple questions for you, and feel free to shoot any my way. I've been trying to think of, uh, as you know, different things from youth ministry, so I'll be thinking of a funny story from youth ministry to share, but if uh, you were to rename a household uh, um, food item, specifically peanut butter, what would you rename peanut butter? Uh, I think just based on the uh, what it does whenever you put it in your mouth, I would call it mouth glue. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> there's sometimes like you get so much in there and just can't even feel like you can pull your tongue off the top of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, mouth glue is, is good for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of peanut butter just because of the consistency. Like just like oh I'm my smacking, gosh. I'm like. Wiping off my teeth with my tongue. I just, yeah, not a huge fan. We pretty much buy it in bulk. Do you really? I mean, you know, so, yeah, sometimes I'll just go in and get a spoonful of peanut butter and eat it. Do you buy just a lot of things you, in bulk? Is that because I'm a big guy? Is no, 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 no. You, you guys do the Sam's Club thing or the, or the Costco uh, thing? Uh, no. I mean, our closest Sam's Club is about an hour and a half. Sherry does that for her business, but I do not. we do not do it for the house. Gotcha. So... Gotcha. Although we should, we have teenage boys, and so if we bought in bulk, we'd probably save a lot of money. If we maybe now we could get truckloads of stuff and put containers outside our house, that would <laughs> be helpful. <laughs> Dude, I tell you right now, um, like there are certain types of food I don't enjoy just because of the, either the consistency or the work to eat them. So, for example, I hate popcorn. Like, it's just not worth the effort of picking it out of your teeth for the next 30 minutes after you've eaten it. Right. It doesn't taste that good, that like it's I'm worth 30 you. minutes of picking it out of your teeth. Sherry loves popcorn. Sometimes I go to the local movie theater, pick up popcorn, and that's all. <laughs> like, I won't even be going to the movie. I'll just be getting popcorn because <laughs> she loves it so much. Yeah, for real. You can do that? You can walk in without a ticket, get popcorn, and leave? Well, our local one, you can. But yeah, I suppose you could anyone. You know, yeah. unless they require you to have the ticket before you enter the premises. Well, um, like at a local one in West Plains, of course, you had to hand your ticket right after you got it before you walked in. But I think, yeah, mo- most of them you can hang out in like the arcade area before you actually walk in. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, makes sense because that's where they make their money, right? They're not making it off the film. Right. And so. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in someone's home? What is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in somebody's home? Or maybe, let me, let me ask this. Maybe it'll help. What's the weirdest that you can share? Okay, so we're both pastors. We've both done visitations. We've both visited people in the hospital. What's the weirdest experience you've had visiting one of your members? I don't know that it's I don't know that it's uh, particular to one home, but like the interesting smells you walk into. Oh, dude, I've got one <laughs> at for times. You. Oh, uh, just just the things that you walk in and just like is there something rotting in here, or is this <laughs> something? Wor- somebody like not make it in another room, or like what happened? But um. There's some definitely interesting smells. So what do you got? Okay, so, well, first off, with interesting smells, uh, I am not a cat person. So my dad, uh, growing up, he's allergic to cats, and so we never had cats. I had a buddy who had a cat who was just mean, and so I've never been a cat fan. And I remember going into a, a home one time that they loved cats, and they weren't the cleanest individuals either. <laughs> and so, like, going into their house literally you needed some type of like either gas mask or Febreze air freshener just to spray in your nose every five minutes. And it was just because like there's just cat cat pee probably everywhere. And so, oh, man. man, like I'm just thinking they're probably like, well, we love cats. And I'm just like, yeah, but everybody who walks in your home probably hates them now. Um, yeah, so. they, you get a certain mm-hmm. level of ammonia there that just is, Oof. you know. I mean, if you got a cold, it opens up your sinuses for sure. But uh, that level of ammonia is probably not good. So I've done visitations before um, where, and visitation is kind of a formal word, but I've visited people in the hospital before um, where I've, I'm thinking of one specific case where I walked in, it was an elderly lady, and she was about to have surgery, and I was kind of like the young pastor coming in, and uh, she thought it was a good opportunity. Now, now she had not been yet... Um, she had not been on drugs yet. Um, like, this is not uh, her drugged up. Uh, she would just proceeded to show me some of the tattoos she had in different parts of her body. Uh, and oh, that's awkward. That was, uh, it was interesting. I guess the hospital gown. Wait, now how old a lady was this? I, I, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, so, so I'm nervous <laughs> to give anything too specific. But gotcha. let's just right. say well, she was Well, would you say 70. elderly? Oh, she was over 70 oh, years old. wow. Yeah, yeah. Well... That yeah, that's more than I, you want to know. I wonder if she point. she she wasn't a person that was like prone to awkwardness, but I wonder just by having a younger pastor around, being in a hospital gown, you just try to beat the awkwardness by sharing whatever the hospital gown's about to reveal, anyways. So you know, here I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take her off the hook here because I've visited people in the hospital before that have like like seriously a urinary tract infection and right. that does something to their mind. Right. I don't understand how that works. Like why a urinary tract infection would affect your brain. Right. Uh, and what and the what what you do, but it does. And so. So I'm gonna put you took her off the hook. I'm gonna put her back on. This was a scheduled surgery. This was not a UTI. This was nothing that would oh, no. regularly affect your brain. I mean, it was scheduled for like six months out. It was. What was the best tattoo? Um, I'm not gonna share that. <laughs> I, I don't so, know that any of them it's were so distinctive that it there would be no doubt who this was if you shared that. Then is that what you're telling me? Um. If anybody from that knows her 
was listening to this podcast, yes. <laughs> well, hey, um, what's okay. life been like for you right now? So for all those listening, of course, um, uh, for the five or six of you, uh, we uh, have experienced in the last few weeks um, a sort of um, virus crisis or virus pandemic um, where COVID-19 or the coronavirus, a specific strain of the coronavirus has um, uh, spread across the United States. And so um, churches either have voluntarily um, uh, decided not to gather uh, out of love of neighbor, not out of uh, individual fear, but out of intentional love for neighbors so that we wouldn't spread the disease. Um, most churches have done this. Um, I would say the majority of them are kind of moving to an online platform, whether it be Facebook or um, a streaming platform. And uh, they're not really able to engage um, their members directly. And so this has been a really unique season for churches. And I was just talking to one of our young adults and saying, hey, this is so much, this is unprecedented because this is different than persecution, um, where where if we had the decision to um, uh, not gather or gather, but the problem of that was forcing that decision was persecution, well, well, gathering would be harm inflicted upon ourselves. Whereas um, if we gathered now, we're harming the people we're trying to reach. So this is this is a odd circumstance, and um, I think people probably perceive this time as um, in the life of pastors as less work. I don't know about you, but I feel like um, I'm I'm working a lot more. Uh, to, to, to do the online thing for what seems to be um, a, a less significant gathering because you're not truly gathering. So like I'm recording about four videos a, a week right now. Um, two of those are sermons that I'm writing as well. I'm editing all those videos and then timing them along with all kind of a social media engagement and emails and communication as much as I can. This is just an odd time and man, it's, it's, it's tiring and you miss the joy of gathering. Yeah, absolutely. To me, just the emotional aspect of it is is a pretty heavy weight because, you know, being with people, uh, I'm naturally um, extroverted and where, where I gain energy from being with people. And so by being isolated like this, it really drains me of energy and um, wanting to wanting to get together with people, but also. Um, just the emotional weight of how do I minister to a flock that I can't be around, you know, like a shepherd's supposed to be with the sheep. And so, you know, wanting to be there and making sure people are taken care of and, you know, just developing um, some kind of systematic plan to make sure that, that our members are taken care of. And also knowing that we have um, a lot of older members that, don't do Facebook, they don't do internet. And so like literally they're, they're left with, you know, whatever's on, uh, whatever's on the TV. And some of that could be good and some of it could be extremely bad. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think just the emotional aspect of that's pretty difficult. I mean, I'm recording videos and stuff as well, still preparing sermons, preaching last week to a congregation of about six or eight, yeah. you know, of our worship team and, and, you know, being more cognizant of the camera on me uh, than I ever am on a normal week. And so all of those things are difficult, but, you know, just trying to figure out how can we continue ministry uh, during this time because 
the way this looks, it's not going to be just a week or two. And so, um, you know, we gotta, we gotta consistently make sure people are cared for. And so that, that's been my world the last few weeks and it's really all consuming, you know, uh, I go home at night and try to spend time with my family and, and enjoy that. I mean, there's been some really good aspects of that is that like we're not running a hundred different directions through the week. And so you get more family time and, um, you know, just to get to enjoy them, uh, rather than just going from one activity to the next. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Like, I think there's some, there's some grace, uh, in this. I think that God is showing us some grace in this and slowing us down and taking away the things that aren't important and really helping us refocus on what is important. So, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a both and situation where there's some really hard things, but there, there is some grace from God in this too. Yeah. And I, I mean, We've seen God use this in, in mighty ways, even though it's not what we would probably desire. God is <clears throat> sovereign, and um, we're seeing Facebook be, um, I mean, primarily Facebook, be a, uh, a resource that's putting millions of sermons online for people to see, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And not only that, um, we're seeing, um, I think, pastors... And intentionally have to be more um, focused on how do I care for people, um, care for these people that I may not be able to see every week, you know. So yeah, um, yeah it's it's been interesting. Uh, so I, I've seen different articles come up um, about not wasting uh, your quarantine or not wasting the time that you find yourself in self isolation. I don't know if you've seen those articles as well, just kind of pop up um, through your social media feeds. Um, but I, I've been trying to intentionally getting get our students to and engage with the scriptures uh, individually, and um, even giving them challenges uh, to 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 kind of put before themselves as they walk through this time at home. I'm trying to encourage them to be with their family. So I gave our students five challenges. Um, so that they might continue to grow uh, while they're not able to gather together. Some of those challenges were, hey, um, first and foremost, start reading um, your Bible on a daily basis if you're not, and begin just by reading a psalm a day. So I have our students reading a psalm a day. I'm trying to reach out to them throughout the week and um, say, okay, what was your favorite verse in the psalm? Do you have any questions about the psalm? Um, Are you sharing this psalm with your friends? Are you encouraging your friends to read a psalm. Second thing I've challenged them to do is to memorize Romans 8, um, which is no short chapter. That's good. Um, And so a lot of them are working through that right now, which has been encouraging. Um, A third thing that I'm trying to encourage them to do is is just spend intentional time with their family, Um, to to put down the phone, um, to um, thank the Lord in prayer for the parents that he's given them and to spend time with them. Um, my favorite game that I know you played with your family not too long ago, my favorite game to play if I have more than two people is Settlers of Catan, right? And so um, I was like, hey, go go order that on Amazon. Ask your parents to order it. I'll give you my copy, you know, my, my uh, set of it or whatever. Um, the fourth thing that I encouraged them uh, to do was to listen to a specific song, and that was A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. Uh, I was like, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life uh, also, you know, um, his kingdom is forever. All of these things are good to sing and rejoice in. Um, I was like, this is an old song. It's not probably on the top charts right now, but it's a good one. And then lastly, uh, 
reach one friend, right? So it's text a friend ASAP just to say, hey, how are you doing right now? A friend that um, you know is not a believer and, um, you know, get the opportunity to share the hope that you have in the midst of circumstances um, where they're walking through these circumstances without hope. So that's that's some challenge that I've given, but I, I've seen this emphasis on not wasting your quarantine. You wanted to talk about um, uh, what does it look like to grow in the Lord while we're not gathering. And so why don't you just kind of take it from here and and just kind of tell tell me your thoughts on that. What does it look like to grow in the Lord in your opinion? And, and we'll have a well, conversation. Um, one of the things I think is most important is just defining what we mean by growing. Um, because, you know, our normal physical growth that we think about, whether it's human growth or like even, you know, the, the Bible talks a lot about, has agricultural um, uh, illustrations. And so like whenever you think about the growth of a seed, um, you know, that like there is this physical uh, manifestation that happens. And so like whenever we think about growth in the Lord, sometimes we think about just acquiring knowledge. Um, and I think that's one of the things that uh, we have to be careful of is just thinking that, oh, if I just know more facts about the Bible, then I'm growing in the Lord. And that's yeah. not necessarily the case. Um, whenever whenever you're growing in the Lord, you're growing in relationship with Him. You're growing in knowledge of who God is, not just understanding rules or facts. Um you know, in a, in a biblical context, the Pharisees knew lots of rules. They knew lots of facts about God, but they didn't recognize <laughs> Jesus, who was the image of the invisible God. They didn't recognize him whenever he came because they didn't have that obedient relationship of faith uh, with God. And so, um, you know, I think that's important whenever we're, whenever we're talking about growth. We're talking about growing in the knowledge of who God is. Yeah. And allowing him to change us on the inside, not just learn more, learn more facts. And so how have you seen, um, how have you personally experienced growth in the Lord? Like what are some of the tools in your toolbox that you can, you can share with us and how you have, have seen yourself grow in the Lord? Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I, I think there is, um, um, well, I, I think the pursuit of what you're after in your, your, your spiritual growth. So, I mean, we can talk about spiritual disciplines here in a little bit, uh, which I know we talked about, we, we wanted to, to mention. Um, but you mentioned some of the, the pursuits um, or the goals of growth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. goals of growth being, um, I want to grow in my affections for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to desire Him, delight in Him, and... Um, and so grow in my love for God. Um, I also want to grow uh, to be more like God, right? To be more right. like Jesus. And so um, the pursuit of um, uh, God and our growth is the pursuit of godliness, right? To look like him, to be like him, to reflect him to a world, uh, reflect uh, yeah, him to a world that needs him. Uh, and so... Um, if you're if you're asking me in areas that I've grown, um, just know that I, I'm I'm still in that process, right? I'm still in what Philippians two um, instructs us to do, uh, which is uh, you know to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing. And I don't have this text in front of me, so I might mess it up. But work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
knowing that it's God who works in you for his uh, 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 pleasure, right? So um, I think there's a restfulness on the Lord to keep you, sustain you, strengthen you, guide you, direct you, whatever that might look like, um, give you discernment. But also there's a personal pursuit to say, I want to look like my master. I want to obey right. my te- you know, uh, uh, obey my master, look like my teacher. I, I-, I love him. I desire him. Um, and I want people to know him. And so if your goal is godliness, your eyes are on eternity, and um, your affections are stirred for Jesus, um, discipline doesn't it isn't a burden. Now, it's, it's, it's something you have to intentionally do, but discipline is your delight. And delight leads to discipline, and discipline leads to more delight. I don't know how to kind of express it in other ways than that, but um, I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for. Um, well, yeah, and I think that's important to, to say, too, that that because um, discipline is so often looked at as um, – punitive in our in our culture like people think about discipline and it's correct they think of corrective action to to stop some behavior whereas the bible talks about discipline a lot i mean there there is instances where the lord disciplines us because we have rebelled or um, moved away from him at times and then but but a Primarily, the Bible talks about discipline as in training. So like an athlete would train themselves um, for an event. And one of the things, Donald Whitney's got this book, um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, which I would recommend. It's a great book. Um, But in that, he talks about that, that that delight and that freedom, like an athlete has the freedom to participate in the event because they have disciplined themselves prior to that that's good and so so you know that discipline that continual uh, discipline of our lives in different areas um, brings us that freedom to enjoy christ uh, in the fullness and, and to be fair like we you said you were still in process you know uh, a giant of the faith died you know, a year or so ago, Billy Graham may have been longer than that now. I don't know, but like he was still in process. Right. And so it's not like any of us attain that before we uh, go home to be with the Lord and, or before he returns to get us. But I do love the fact that in James, it says in the end, you'll be complete, um, yeah. perfect, lacking nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that discipline up front really gives us freedom uh, to experience the fullness of joy in Christ uh, as we move along. And so I, I like what you said there about about growing toward godliness and pursuing God because that's what we have to continually do. Um, I don't want to monopolize here, but no. Um, yeah, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, earlier you mentioned, um, you mentioned discipline without heart. Now I think there, there's a mixture because... Um, delight leads to a desire for discipline. If I know who God is and have a relationship with him, um, then that should lead me to, um, to, to to grow in him, right? I mean, like, the, the, the reason I want to pursue the word um, is because I know who the word is. I know Jesus. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And yeah. by pursuing the word intentionally, I... Um, grow in my love for Jesus and my love for 
the, um, the things of God and not the things of the world. Um, and so discipline, um, you go into discipline because of your delight in God. And discipline, though it might be difficult in seasons, brings greater delight in the Lord. But, but I think you, you mentioned something a little bit ago, that there is a certain type of what might be even thought of as obedience, but not genuine obedience, um, by doing what the Lord tells you without any desire for the Lord. Because, I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, you have uh, like Isaiah chapter 1, and they, were, um, they, they believe themselves to be obeying the Lord and offering sacrifices before God. Like, hey, God, we're doing what you told us to do. And yet what God says is um, that their worship is in vain, that their sacrifices are meaningless. Hey, everybody, sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties, um, but we're back on. As I was saying, in the Old Testament, you see those who are going through the motions of um, what was perceptively obedience to the Lord um, like giving sacrifices on an altar and going through different festivals and um, obeying the Sabbath. But in Isaiah 1, God tells the people um, uh, of Israel that all of the things that they're doing for him um, is a burden to him and are ultimately meaningless. In vain do they worship him, right? And the same thing you see in the New Testament that says these people um, may say certain things, um, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, right? And so when we consider discipline, an essential element of discipline is delight in the Lord, right? Um, now, sometimes discipline will yield greater delight even when we um, uh, don't, feel, don't feel like we have joy from the Lord and we should still pursue discipline, but it shouldn't be removed from um, a, a, a glad submission to um, God. Let me just give an example here. You talked about earlier um, <clears throat> where um, or, or you talked about the fact that growing in the Lord is not just knowing rules or facts about the Bible, but knowing God. You mentioned Pharisees knew a lot about about God, but didn't know God himself. I am like, I'm just going to say this. I am continuously perplexed and yet fascinated by a, um, when I contrast two different individuals in um, Matthew, in the book of Matthew. You have Caiaphas, who's the acting high priest, <clears throat> and, um, and he uh, um, kind of conspires to kill Jesus. And he's actually, what's kind of interesting, if you look in a certain passage, it talks about he's fulfilling God's plans by, um, uh, and, and, and he's actually even prophesying uh, unknowingly by killing Jesus to save the, the people of Israel. Um, he, he's wanting to save them physically from what Jesus might, <clears throat> um, the, the revolt or, or whatever that Jesus, he thinks, might begin. Um, but well, little does he know he's prophesying about what Jesus will go on to do. And so he conspires with other religious leaders to kill Jesus, um, not believing that Jesus is the Son of God, but knowing most likely um, the first five books of the Bible, if not a lot more, memorized. The book of mm -hmm. Numbers, memorized, Right. And yet, you look at Caiaphas, who looks at Jesus in the face and does not recognize him. And then you look at a centurion who walks Jesus most likely to the cross where he hangs Jesus on this cross. And as Jesus uh, is hanging on the cross, the centurion says, surely this must be the Lord. Right? A centurion with no, um, uh, no or little knowledge of the Bible, um, but who recognizes that Jesus is 
Lord. I've always been fascinated by the contrast of those two individuals because essential to growing um, is recognizing who God is and pursuing a relationship with him um, in the means that he's provided for us to grow in that relationship. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I think you, you know, just talking about those two guys, I think one of the things we have to remember is what <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, that, that the Spirit reveals to us things and to reveal reveals um spiritual things to people who are spiritual you know um it, this growth that happens in us is by the spirit he's the one that transforms us on the inside now basically the disciplines just put us in a position to receive from god but it's all grace it's all something that god does yeah. for us and in us we discipline ourselves to to use the means by which he's given us but it we we never look back and think to ourselves, oh well, I'm the one that that grew in grace, <laughs> it grew right. in godliness. Right. He he is totally the one that's doing it, in all aspects. Yeah, yeah, I think you 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 hit on a good point there because First Corinthians two, you know, who can discern the wisdom of God except the Spirit of God, and we as believers have the Spirit of God or have been by grace, as you said, given the Spirit of God. And so we couldn't understand the things of God if it wasn't in, uh, but because of the Spirit of God that is, dwells within us. Not only that, we couldn't discern um, the things of God if we didn't have the Spirit that leads us, as John, the book of John says, into all truth, right? right? <clears throat> so we rest, even, uh, we rest initially on the Spirit to reveal um, uh, who Jesus is and um, what his word says and means to, to us, and we rest upon the Spirit in our life as believers to continually push us into what is right and true and good. You know, one thing you mentioned a minute ago that I think is pretty mm-hmm. important is, is Caiaphas didn't recognize who Jesus was. And, and all the people that have a relationship with God recognize who Jesus is, that there's a centrality of Christ because he is the image of the invisible God. He is the one that reveals God to us. You know, in the Old Testament, God revealed himself, um, you know, to the prophets and and uh, in those people. And he did some some very dramatic things, uh, if you if you will, um, to reveal his character, his nature to people. But now, you know, Hebrews says that he spoke to the, the apostles and the prophets, um, but now he's spoken to us through his son. You know, like Jesus is the final word of who God is. And so to, to know who God is, we, we have to focus on the centrality of Christ and really understand who he is. Because if you go back to John 14, um, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been. Uh, Thomas uh, said, you know, like, we don't just just show us who God is and that will be enough. And and Jesus says, you've been with me this long and you don't know, like if you haven't seen God, if you've seen me, you've seen God. And so we have to focus on who Christ is and, and realize that that is who we are to be in order to have right relationship and grow in the Lord. Good. <clears throat> so um, let's uh, let's get practical just for a minute here. What are what are the different spiritual disciplines that we utilize um, 
to, to the, or, or the means by which we grow in the Lord, what are some of those disciplines that we should utilize in our lives to grow? And especially like right now, practically, what are some areas that we can grow in isolation? Because there's certain disciplines that should be enjoyed and exercised in corporate gatherings. But there's also disciplines um, and um, and and ways to grow while we're not able to gather. So what are some of those areas that we can grow in? Um, not only just you know uh, the word prayer and the um, uh, not not just prayer and the word. <clears throat> but also, like, what things can we put in place in our lives now, and and how might there be some be some ways we can discipline ourselves in the meantime until we can gather again? Well, I think one of the primary um, things and one of the benefits <clears throat> of this time apart is hopefully there's been a, a lessening of the busyness of people's schedules. Now, I know that's not always the case. You've got healthcare workers and stuff that are probably more busy now than they ever have been. Um, but in some people's lives, are, are there's a little more margin uh, than normal. And so I think one of the things that is helpful um, is meditation. Now, whenever we think about meditation, we generally think about, you know, I, w- I always laugh and think about the the monkey in the Lion King, you know, who's sitting there with his legs crossed and his hands out and then he's just humming. Uh, and, you know, and like in Eastern uh, religion, meditation is clearing the mind. Well, that's not at all what it is in the, in the Christian life. In the Christian life, meditation is filling your mind with Scripture, um, what what God has said, and, and continuing to think about that and the implications of it. And and one of the things that Whitney says in his book that I think is so insightful is that meditation is a link between Bible reading and prayer, because as you meditate. Uh, on God's Word. You've read through it, and sometimes we can just read through the Bible and just say, all right, I've done my Bible reading today and check it off. But but that's not the purpose and the goal of doing that. If you want to grow in godliness, you have to think about it and how this works out in your life. And so you meditate on the Scripture, and as you do that, you begin to see the heart of God and understand the heart of God in such a way that you pray and you even use that scripture i think one of the one of the greatest things we can do is begin praying scripture because you're praying the heart of god back to him and you know that whenever you're praying scripture and using that in your life that that you're praying god's will because that's what he has put Mm -hmm. out now um, we have to be careful with that because that you get into some things like imprecatory psalms or judgment psalms, and you uh, you have to be careful not to start praying judgment on your enemies uh, because that is reserved for the Lord. But uh, you know, as you meditate on God's word, the Spirit works in your heart, and then you begin to to respond to Him in prayer in the in those means. Um, what what about something for you? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that. The Hebrews passage, at the very beginning of Hebrews, it says that God has chosen to speak to us through his Son. And so the revelation of the Son is in the revelation specifically of, of God in the Word of God. And so um, as you're talking about reading and pursuing the Word of God, and um, uh, uh, as a discipline, you're also talking about praying the Word of God. Um, you got the passage in the end of First um, John that talks about, you know, if you pray, he hears you, and you can be sure that you will, will get what you ask if it's according to his will, and so the way that we pray is according to the will of God, and the will of God is in the word of God, so I think that was great. 
Um, yeah, so I think there's there's discipline, different disciplines that I think we should put in place if we haven't yet as believers, um, uh, as we uh, are in isolation mode, right? So if we don't have a daily um, uh, plan of reading the Word of God, then we should enact that. Um, you know, it might be a plan where you read a psalm a day like our students are doing right now. It might be where you read a part of the Old Testament, uh, the law, the prophets. Um, maybe you read uh, a psalm as well. Maybe you read um, the Gospels. Uh, maybe you read the Epistles and maybe you read Revelation um, and you kind of just uh, intersperse those different parts of the Bible. Um, maybe it's just um, a, a chapter a day. If you read a chapter a day of the New Testament five days a week, I believe you'll get through it in a year. Um, if I remember correctly, if you read a chapter a, a day in the whole Bible, um, uh, five days a week, a chapter a day in the whole Bible, five days a week, I think you get it done in four years. Um, so if you if you don't have that in place now, um, God is found in His Word, and so um, if you don't meet God in His Word, where are you going to meet Him? Um, so you know, a lot of people are like, I, I just don't hear from God. Well, when was the last time you went to hear from Him? You know. Um, that's not to say that God does not speak through impressions and, um, and, and that God doesn't speak to you as you pray. Um, but the primary revelation of God is the Word of God. And so seek after Him, especially in moments where you're just confused and perplexed. Um, the, the psalmist, uh, whoever's writing whatever psalm, is not um, uh, a stranger to confusion and per, um, perplexity and to frustration and to uh, questioning. And so that's why I led our students to Psalms is to say, hey, there are certain emotions that we don't talk enough about. And I promise you every emotion is mentioned in the Psalms. So um, I would first lead people to there. But that does not go without um, um, praying as well. Praying is another essential discipline because um, if Jesus did it, why would we not <laughs> yeah. not only not want to, but not need to? You know, Jesus withdrew from crowds that he could have healed and he could have even spoken to about the kingdom of God to spend time with his father because even Jesus needed fellowship with the father. And so it is by grace that we can approach the throne of God um, and to neglect a gift given to us by grace, just like the gathering, if we were to neglect it. Now, I'm not, you know, we're not neglecting it by not being able to do it out of love of neighbor right now, but Jesus has given us the ability, the access to the Father. We should not neglect that great gift because, I mean, you look in the Old Testament, um, the, the access that they had to the Father was one day a year, um, at least into the, the special presence of God within the Holy of Holies. One day a year, on the Day of Atonement, only the chief priest could do it after he made a sacrifice for himself. Um, but now that the temple curtain has been torn, that is Jesus being torn, um, our access to God is not through a curtain one day a year, but through Christ any time that we um, uh, come before him humbly. So uh, to neglect those things is not only to not discipline yourself, but to, 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 to miss out on a good gift of God that will really, I believe, only cause you more joy. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I, I think we need to address the fact that in our lives, like we go through different seasons in this, and it's not that our, our spiritual growth is never just, if you were to plot it out on a graph, it's never just straight up. 
right? Um, yeah. So like you're going to have different seasons where you have mountaintops, you're going to have valleys, and you're going to go through those things. And, and there should be a continual upward trajectory in our spiritual growth, but it's going to have dips uh, in it in times. <laughs> and that's due to various things, you know, circumstances in life, illness, um, you know, and I believe God uses all of those things to grow us. But there are times in your life that whether it's due to circumstances going on in your life or due to the fact that you've just neglected uh, those those disciplines for a time that you don't feel like you want to pursue God. And and I think while we don't want to be like the Pharisees and and just give God lip service, we do have to lean in during those times um, and we have to say, I'm going to do this just because I know I'm supposed to and uh, and and to let God develop that heart in us and I think one of the things that I I don't know we as Baptists I don't know if we just don't talk about this because we think it's too charismatic or what uh, not that it's really an outward thing at all but uh, maybe has been uh, used by others at times uh, and abused but the discipline of fasting, I think, is extremely important, and we who are Baptists love a good potluck, and so the idea of giving up uh, food definitely is not appealing. And and you think about that, especially in this time, like what are what are people doing? Like they're going and hoarding food because, and they're and hoarding all kinds of stuff because they don't know if it's going to be there. And yeah. and one of the things I believe that fasting does for us, well, actually a couple things. Number one. It tells us that God is our supply and not the world. Um, he, he's the one that um, mm. is going to, it gives us everything that we need, everything that we have. Uh, you know, he's the giver of all good gifts. And so he gives us, he's our provider. But, but secondly, what fasting does, I believe it develops in us a spiritual hunger for God. Um, in, in a deep way, because we are saying, God, we need relationship with you even more than we need physical food to survive and so as we as we let god develop that hunger in us and and it's hard like fasting is difficult and i think you you know you don't just go start you don't start out by saying i'm going to do a 40-day fast like jesus did in the wilderness you know uh you'll feel like a failure about 12 hours in because you're going to want to give that up but um but you know you you take some steps and you prepare yourself uh for that and uh one good really good resource ronniefloyd.com uh he's got a practical guide to how to prepare yourself for a fast and um but you you do that you begin fasting and you allow god to um, develop that hunger in you uh, and I think you will. I think I kind of lost my train of thought there. I don't know where I was going after I said that about his website, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but I think fasting is is a vital um, spiritual discipline that we need to do more of and and allow God to transform us. I know that there's been times in my life where I've experienced greater growth in those times because I was so focused on the Lord uh, and and allowing Him to work in me. Um, than I have at, at other times in my spiritual growth. Um, you know, you think of um, uh, the Israelites in the wilderness, they were not given the ability to hoard food to the next day. It would spoil, mm. and so they just had to trust the Lord that he would provide the next day. Yeah. 
And so as we, as we even pray the prayer that Jesus has instructed us to pray, um, or the, at least the guidelines that he, he has given us for prayer in, <clears throat> in Matthew, one of the things he says is, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Um, and, and we know he also said that man does not live on bread alone. And so um, we trust God to provide um, uh, what we need. And what we need, even as you said, greater than food is God himself. And so fasting is that season where we um, come to realize our greatest need is God and, um, and, and he's able to provide um, uh, good gifts to us. Um, but first is our need for him. Um, <clears throat> I, I think you, you said something really good there because earlier earlier on I said, you know, delight leads to discipline and discipline, uh, you shouldn't remove delight from discipline. It shouldn't just be begrudging submission or begrudging labor. And yet, um, I think you brought up a good point um, that I think might even kind of begin to close us is to say this, um, that you can go too far with that. And I think you, you, you were spot on because you can say, well, I have no delight, so there's no reason for discipline. And that's just not true, right? Um, uh, for example, uh, in my, and, and that's not true in any relationship. Right. So, um, you know, I might be frustrated at my wife or she might be frustrated at me. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't just, I should just give up um, uh, uh, caring for her and serving her. Rather, in the moments where I don't feel like it, all the more reason to serve her um, and to care for her. Um, um, and so that through that care and through that service, I might begin to realize um, God's care and service to me um, and how um, I don't, I'm not a deserving recipient of that love and care. Um, uh, he, uh, it's not just, um, you know, I, like he, uh, he doesn't love and care for me because I'm always lovable, right? Um, right? Because he's always happy with everything that I do, but because he's good. And, and to um, resemble his um, character, um, and this is part of growing, right? To resemble his character. To resemble his character is to pursue him even in times where that doesn't seem to um, immediately whet our appetite or bring us um, uh, immediate, you know, joy and so uh, I, I don't know if that's helpful but yeah I think absolutely we just uh, you know I think we are people of extremes and so like we can go off we can go off the path um, either to say uh, I, I'm going all in and I'm doing this all myself or we can say no I don't feel it so I'm not doing mm-hmm. it all and so like we, we can't be people of extremes and I think generally we have to look at the, the that's why we need the the whole counsel of God, because you don't just look at one passage whenever you're talking about discipline. You look at the fullness of what God's revealed. And, uh, you know, even something you said a minute ago about um, the people and and getting manna. You know, I'm going through, preaching through Joshua right now. And uh, something interesting to me was, is that they got the manna until they got into the promised land. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like we're on that journey and one of these days we're going to get to our promised land and um you know there he will feed us himself we'll have that uh, mm. banquet you know that uh, uh what am i trying to say trent the wedding supper of the lamb and um, <laughs> yeah and so like uh in this time he's continually giving us that daily bread and we've got to go we got to go get it so in, in conclusion um just some practical challenges and add to this if you feel led to um you know um, if you don't have a, uh, a routine 
for pursuing God in his word, a daily Bible reading plan or whatever it might be. Um, um, you know, plans aren't perfect. Plans aren't inspired. Um, but plans help us, I think, um, make time, not just find time, but make time uh, to go to the inspired word of God. Um, I, I think, too, if you don't have maybe a, a prayer plan right now, there's a, actually a seven-day coronavirus reading our, our seven-day coronavirus prayer guide right now on Lifeway that you can find. Our church is using uh, that. Um, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't uh, have a, a prayer life, per, pursue that. Um, uh, another thing might be uh, to begin to not only meditate on Scripture as you read it, but memorize it. Um, hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. So you have ample time, many of us at least, have ample time um, uh, to spend um, in personal discipline uh, during the time that we find ourselves in. Take advantage. Make most use of the time that you have. Um, I don't think you're going to look back on your time in quarantine and say, I wish I wouldn't have wasted time pursuing the Lord. <laughs> right? So take advantage of it. Um, John Piper said this quote a long time ago, and it's always stuck with me, is um, one of the greatest uses of social media um, on the last day uh, will be to show that we had a lot more time for prayer. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. And so uh, we can waste a lot of time scrolling through feeds and we won't grow an inch because of it, right? Um, but a moment in prayer uh, uh, will grow us in ways that um, uh, nothing else can. Uh, a, a moment spent in discipline for the Lord um, and under the Lord is, is um, well worth any time we spend. Mm-hmm. Well, just you know, to add to that just a little bit, I would say that while we're apart from one another doesn't mean that we don't need accountability from one another. Yeah. And and so as as we're trying to practice these spiritual disciplines, you know, I, I know physically if I'm going to go work out, if I'm going to go do a workout, I want somebody else to be with me because chances are I'm going to work harder. And also, uh, if there's not somebody that's going to go with me and do it, I might not just, I just might not do it, you know. And so... Find somebody that you can be accountable to and just say, hey, did you do your reading today? Uh, yeah, and let them ask you those questions as well. Um, did you pray today? Did you, you know, there's a multitude of questions that you can ask. You can look up John Wesley's um, questions that they had uh, during, uh, he had a holiness club, I believe they called it. And um, they're just really pointed questions that you can ask one another uh, about growth and godliness and, and killing sin in your life and, and those different kind of things. So I think accountability is key while we're apart from one another because our tendency is to fall back and do nothing uh, rather than to pursue with all of our mind. And we need to right now while we're apart. That's good. All right. So uh, as we close today... Um, we just want to say thanks for uh, being with us, and uh, also just want to give a shout out uh, to one of our listeners uh, who has uh, contacted me. And so, uh, Phyllis, thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, hearing what we have to say each time. Uh, but I just want to say, go to 
the reviews on uh, on Apple Podcasts or on um, Spotify and give us a five star review because that's how other people um, find us and uh, it makes us more available to them. And so uh, as we close today, I just want you to go there and give us a five star review and also answer this question. Leave leave an answer to this question in the comments. If animals could talk, who would be the rudest? Thank you.